I'm Olivia Ross, the Southern South Island Extension Manager for Beef and Land. Um, I'm here today to record a Breakfeed podcast following the Progressive Ag Conference held in August. And today we're going to be talking high performance bull farming. And I'm joined by Ben Trotter, who is a Central Otago farmer and also an agronomist. And I'll get him to introduce himself and tell him a little bit about yourself himself. So hi, Ben, great to have you here today. Uh, tell us a little about where you've come from and what you do. Oh, good afternoon, Olivia. Um, yeah, thanks. Thanks very much for having me on here today. Um, yeah, my, my name's Ben. Um, I farm with my wife, Rebecca, in a little town called Luggett, uh, just out of uh, Wanaka. Um, we uh, have been farming bulls for about two, three years. Um, and originally, uh, we are both from farming backgrounds. Originally, I'm from Southland, a little town called Woodlands, just out of Invercargill. And, uh, and Rebecca's um, from uh, Rotorua and she grew up on a dairy farm up there. So we've ended up in central Otago and we're really enjoying, really enjoying the place. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about your farming operation. Yeah, great. Um, so essentially um, we have um, a couple of centre pivots. Um, we farm 135 hectares um, with 107 hectares of that under under spray irrigation um, and in conjunction with that we lease uh, a further um, 300-350 hectares which is dry land and that's sort of run in conjunction with the intensive beef um, finishing system under the under the cedar pivot so we are running a fast track bull beef system and essentially keeping it really simple and, um, and focusing on just productivity and, um, and, and product out the gate. So a pretty dry land property, is it all flat? Uh, yeah, the, the area that we own um, is uh, essentially uh, all flat. Um, so yeah, the pivot's just, um, basically we've got one th- uh, sort of 360 pivot and another big window wiper, which is a 180. And that, that largely goes over, over flat land. The lease land um, adjacent um, the farm is um, some of it's sort of slightly slightly steep, but mostly flat as well. But that is all dry land as well. Awesome. And tell us a little bit about the stock you're running. Yeah, so essentially um, the stocking policy on the farm is um, entirely um, bulls, bull beef. And um, effectively, we buy in 100 kg bull calves in November and take them through one winter and sell them um, before their second birthday. So on and through the autumn of, of their, their second um, summer. So, yeah, essentially, they're all, they're all off, the, off the property before they go into that second winter. So really simple system in the sense that we just carry um, one stock class through winter and then essentially two stock classes through summer, that being the calves and the, and the um, yearling bulls, which are on track to be finished before, before winter. What made you focus just on bulls? Um, well, long story short, I um, spent a wee bit of time in the North Island um, in my role um, as an agronomist up there, and I worked with a few, few bull farmers up in the, in the Waikato, um, one particular farm in New Aiken, um, just just south of um, Pukekohe in a place called Pukawa. Um and I really enjoyed the the dynamic of um, of bull farming. They were incredibly efficient um, systems, really focused on pasture and pasture conversion, and um, did quite a bit of work with um, a consultant called Bob Thompson, and um, really enjoyed the sort of 
very simple, um, proven science sort of technique around just focusing on feed conversion and, um, and, and meat production per hectare. And um, one thing that sort of stood out about bulls um, compared to farming other cattle was their really high feed conversion efficiency. So that, um, that sort of um, prompted me to think that, yeah, potentially there was an opportunity in, in the South Island for a similar sort of system, which was hybridised a little bit with the use of irrigation to um, provide a bit of consistency in terms of pasture growth through summer. So that's, yeah, that's why we, that's why we looked at bulls. Awesome. And if anyone wants to find out more about Neil's operation, he's been a great innovation farm for beef and lamb for a number of years. And there's some great detail there that people can look into if they're interested. So just let's go into your system a little bit more and sort of what are the drivers and how do you run your system with all those bulls? Yeah, so um, essentially under the um, 100 hectares of irrigation, the farm has been um, sort of hybrid um, Sort of like a hybrid cell grazing system so there's a lot of bulls and obviously with the behavioral attributes of bulls we are unable to run large mob sizes and that presents um, both a challenge and an opportunity and i suppose um, one of the things with um, with the pivots in the in the cell grazing systems um, has been to try and figure out a system which enables us to have a really simple um, rotational grazing policy so i've spent a huge amount of time just um, setting up um, basically poly rods and, and, and poly wire to um, provide subdivision so that we can get a rotation going um, with smaller mobs of, of cattle. So um, with bulls, when they're calves, sort of when they're first year, you can run them in quite large mobs of around 100, and that's what we do. And then they go through winter of around 80, and then from winter onwards, we generally... Um, break them down into sort of mobs of 35 to 40, which um, at all stages, basically, we try to minimise um, mixing mixing animals because of the, you know, behavioural challenges with them. So that's sort of the philosophy, if you like. And, um, yeah, we do, do put a big focus on making sure that we get those mob sizes right and that rotational grazing. How far away are you keeping those mobs? Um, they can be, they can be side like they can at certain times only have one wire between the mobs um, but one of the secrets of doing that if you like is to make sure that the bulls are, are fully fed and on um, new breaks really quite regularly um, essentially if, as soon as you start underfeeding um, bulls they start getting a bit agitated and that's when you can start knocking um, fences around but if they're, if they're well fed they're actually quite a settled um, animal particularly when they're in, when they're in small mob sizes we don't tend to have any problems even even with one poly rod between um between the mobs but i suppose um as a sort of a, a risk aversion um tool we always try to have at least if we can um a couple of fences in between mobs to avoid any um any mix-ups or, or breakouts so how do you go about selecting? So you're obviously getting all bulls. It's not something that everybody has. Are you getting them from a number of places? Or how do you go about actually finding these bulls? Yeah, I've got a couple of friends in, um, in South Canterbury and the wider Canterbury area where we tend to source um, animals from. And then we've got a, um, a specialist contract calf rearer um, over in Pleasant Point that um, basically buys those calves off um, 
of the dairy industry when they're four days old and he rears them for us. So we buy all our bulls at 100 kilos. Um, and I, I think one of the, the key things that we're really focused on, rather than we do focus on quality of animal in terms of five white points, um, but one of the key things is actually been um, focusing on the timing of those animals as well. So in our contracts, we try to make sure that those animals are arriving on farm before the 20th of November. And that means that um, that we can get those cattle um, up to weight so that they are gone before the second autumn. Um, in our first year of farming, we, we probably made a mistake in the sense that we bought um, some yearling cattle, which were a bit light, and we ended up taking them into a second winter, which... Um, was quite problematic because it puts a lot of pressure on on the farm through autumn when it's actually quite a hard time to grow feed. So yeah, for us, it's it's all about getting those those young bull calves on farm um, as early as possible, um, within reason, in the in the spring when they when they first arrive. The beauty of Frisians is that they um, they tend to um, be quite a, a, a large framed animal, so you can grow them out to quite a quite a heavy carcass weight without the cattle being finished off. Um, and saying that, I'd probably much rather a, a good animal, even if it has got a wee bit of jersey in, in behind it, rather than a, a bad, bad straight Frisian animal. So I guess we don't get we don't get hugely particular around um, around types. If there is a little bit of crossbred in there, um, I'm not so perturbed about that as long as it's a good healthy calf when it arrives on farm I think that's one of the key things to focus on as well. Mm -hmm. You said you've got someone who is raising them for you is there a reason why you've gone towards just that not gone to just buying them in so that's what you're doing at present but just rearing them yourselves? Yeah we've done, done a bit of economic analysis on um, on rearing rearing the animals ourselves and yes there would be a margin um, in it to do it but for us um, we've both got full-time roles and um, time's a bit of a valuable commodity so um, we've decided to, to to get a contract rearer and the other beauty about getting a contract rearer is that it just takes a lot of pressure and stress off um, through the spring when we're trying to make sure that we're doing a really good job of pasture management because that's a really key time of the year so I guess the risk would be is if we started to try and rear a few of our own animals we might um, get a bit distracted and potentially lose sight of um, of pasture management, which is what drives their, their profitability. So That's a very um, good lead in yeah, to that's, that's talking. Yeah, that's a very good lead into talking about yeah, what are the pastures and how do you go about making sure these animals are growing to the optimum. So have you got any special pastures or how do you go about getting that great the good diet that they require? Yeah, it's um it seems to be a constant um, a constant work on um, for us. It's something that we really um, see as a really important driver to our um, profitability in terms of our pasture harvest and um, pasture utilisation so, and pasture quality. So we tend to focus on all of those um, things simultaneously. So I suppose our system is geared up so that we are renewing our pastures every six to seven years under the irrigated ground. And we're doing that because we're growing some fodder beet um, for wintering on, and then coming out of the fodder beet, we get that opportunity to, um, to to renew our pastures. And we're using um, we're using uh, just a diploid um, perennial ryegrass, a late late heading diploid perennial. And the reason that we went that way rather than going 
towards um, sort of shorter term material or tetraploids was that they're actually quite resilient and um, and and when we've got um, bulls on farms and small techno units, we get quite a lot of pasture wear happening. So we decided to go, yeah, with a diploid, which was quite nice and dense and um, and and holds on really well through through the summer, um, and that seems to be seems to be uh, working quite well. But the but the other big thing we're focused on is um, really making sure that we've got high legume content in our pastures, and they tend to that tends to mean that um, the pastures are well utilised and well cleaned out, so we haven't got any dung patches and seed head that tends to hang around for too long. So, cool. And what about the winter? What are you doing there? Uh, yeah, so the winter, all the um, calves are wintered on fodder beet. So we generally start on fodder beet towards the end of April and take them through um, sort of May, June, July, August. And if uh, we get to the end of August and the conditions are right, they go out on pasture from, from there. So, yeah, the, the diet on the fodder beet is, um, is, is fairly strictly um, fodder beet dominant, dominated with, um, with a small amount of supplement. So we could get into that a little bit if you, if you wanted to, Olivia. Yeah, so we'll just briefly touch, um, yeah, are you making your own supplement on farm? Yeah, we've got a little bit of lucerne that we have in some of the surrounding lease areas. So we pull that into the farm. We um, have have sort of been weighing up whether we go with a baleage or a silage program. And in more recent times, we've sort of opted towards pit silage. Um, we're pretty well set up for that now with a silage wagon, and and um, we tend to find that in central Otago, the utilisation of silage is really good when we're able to put it under a wire. So we've been. Um, yeah, we've been cutting loose and sort of at that pre-budding stage when the quality is really good and um, and putting that into pit silage and feeding that in conjunction with the fodder beet, which tends to be a really um, a really good uh, diet as far as um, crude protein and energy is concerned. And there also seems to be enough fibre in, in there as well to, to make them convert that um, really well into live weight gain. Awesome. So great lead in, live weight gain. What are your growth rate targets throughout the year? Yeah, so essentially we work backwards. So we aim to get the cattle to about 600 kgs of live weight um, by the end of March. So if you work back from that, essentially we need to, every day on the farm needs to be a growing day. And with the calves, when they first arrive, they generally uh, going straight on to new new grass, so they go through a little check in, in growth when they first arrive, and then through the summer and autumn, we would be targeting about 900 grams to a kilo a day. Um, so we really want them at about 250 to 280 kgs um, before they start on the fodder beet, which is on the 1st of May. And through the winter, we work on growth rate targets of around 700 grams a day. Um, which we seem to be achieving fairly consistently. And then when those yearlings, those um, cattle are coming through winter into the second year, um, that's, when, that's when with bulls you can really um, crank them up and it's probably not uncommon for, um, for them to be doing over a kilo and a half a day through sort of September, October, November, December. And I think that's a real key time for, 
putting live weight on on the cattle when you've got a bit of sun sunlight, you've got good pasture utilisation and um, lots of lots of clover growing. How often are you going about weighing the bulls? Um, my wife would like me to weigh a lot more regularly than what we do at the moment, but um, I'd probably say we're not weighing every every single um, animal on on the farm, but we do weigh mobs. And every six to eight weeks, we'd be working on getting them in for, for a way just to make sure that we're on target. Cool. So just a few last things to finish up on here, Ben. What are your key drivers for profitability in your system? Um, I think, yeah, probably the key, the absolute key is to focus on growing as, as much high-quality pasture as possible and then converting that as efficiently into, into live weight gain as as you possibly can. And a lot of that comes back to the timing of decisions. So we focus a lot on, um, on sort of data-driven decisions and, and our residuals, so our post-grazing residuals and our pre-grazing residuals. So to keep it simple, I think, um, as far as drivers to profit, it's all about how much feed you're growing and, um, and, and focusing on making sure every day those animals on farm are, are growing. And then I think the second um, part around uh, in terms of driver's profitability are making sure that you can get those animals off the farm before their second winter and, you know, making decisions um, prior to when, you know, things are going to rear their, rear their heads. So um, good communication with your, with your livestock. Um, your livestock manager is really important. And um, sort of understanding those dynamics around when the schedule is going to dive, um, and making sure that you're you're making those decisions nice and early, um, rather than rather than too late. And then I think the other big driver in our system is um, is sort of our winter wintering regime, because that's an area that we can find that you can get quite a bit of cost creep um, in in some systems. And uh, in terms of the design of our wintering system, we we're using fodder beet because we um, can get away with a, a, a lower area that we're needing to crop. And, um, and that means that we're able to carry more pasture on the farm and, um, and, and carry a, a slightly higher stocking rate, which means that we can sort of harvest that spring surplus. So yeah, I think the, the beet has been another big driver to profitability for us um, as far as you're carrying enough animals through winter so that you can really harvest all of that grass that you grow in the spring rather than um, rather than having to um, put it all into a bale and feed it out the following winter. So yeah, that'd be that'd be those those three things would be the biggest biggest drivers for us. How can other farmers that are listing make this system work for them? And I suppose it's gonna be some of those similar things being able to grow that feed. But if there's farmers out there listening to this podcast today, Ben, what would be sort of your top tips in regards to getting started into a system like your own? Yeah, I think it's just about um, taking on things um, sort of bit by bit and in bite-sized chunks and um, not trying to sort of overcommit. So just starting with the absolute basics of around, um, you know, rotational grazing, um, focusing on soil fertility and, um, and optimising sort of your pastures to make sure that you're, you're growing um, as, as high quality feed as possible. So I think um, there's probably no one thing that we'd recommend, but if anyone is thinking about getting into bulls, just doing your homework, making sure you're focusing on um, 
yeah, those, those basic things of, um, of rotational grazing, um, having adequate subdivision, good access to water, and, um, and, 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 and doing the animal health piece really well is a, is a really important part to it. And probably a big part of our learning is actually been talking to other bull farmers and getting ideas around how to, um, how to improve because there's always things that you can improve. And yeah, a big, a big part, if you are thinking about getting into bull farming, is, is talking to other, other farmers that might be, um, that might be um, running slightly different systems, but just gleaning some ideas off them and, um, and then putting a plan in place and executing it. Awesome. And I presume that stock management and actually being able to handle those bulls is really important to have those understandings of how bulls' behaviours are as well. Yeah, that's right. Um, I think sometimes there's, um, there's a wee bit of a sort of thought process around bulls being really difficult to manage and, um, and a wee bit like teenage, uh, teenage boys, but we've actually found them to be fairly, um, fairly safe to handle. Um, the key thing, I think, has been just um, making sure that you're not, um, you're not rushing things, you're making sure that the animals are, are well fed, and um, and just yeah, making sure that you're respecting them. And I think yeah, the, definitely the most dangerous time with, with with bulls or any cattle is when you're handling them in the yards. So not being in too much of a hurry, and yeah, just treating them with respect, and um, and yeah, just just being very mindful that at the end of the day they are they are bulls. So. All right, so it sounds like you're running a great system and yeah, I look forward to actually being able to see it in person one day. But I think that gives farmers a really good understanding of the system you're running and hopefully uh, gets them thinking in regards to how they could put that in place themselves. So thank you so much for joining us and sharing your experiences and your tips and tricks. And hopefully those listening that you have found this valuable and are able to take away and uh, head over to the Knowledge Hub. There is a number of different resources when it comes to bull farming as well, especially from our innovation farm in New Aiken and how Ben started out gotten, getting the information from him has been valuable and I'm sure you all find it valuable too. So thank you so much, Ben, and um, thank you everybody for listening. Thank you, Olivia. Cheers.